Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hope you brought an apple for the teacher, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. A hearty welcome and a happy holidays to our most diligent students who are here for a special study session as we all prepare for the season's final games. Here to lead your study session, as always, are two professors emeritus of Cowboysology. The greats from the past, Dr. Danny Phantom and yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser. Dr. Phantom, how are you after two consecutive Cowboy Road defeats? Uh, uh, I, I'm a little tired, to be quite honest. I feel like uh, these games have been a little exhausting. And, you know, this whole holiday season has been rather exhausting. And I kind of, I, I like this point to where I can kind of take a deep breath um, and just kind of relax a little bit. Uh, but I will say, you know, I... I had myself a little bit of a Griswold moment uh, over the holiday <laughs> season. I I tried to surprise my wife. I got this um, shower curtain rod. It's just this like curved rod. You know, it's you know give us more space. And I, and I tried to surprise her while she was running errands and put this thing, install this into our our bathroom. And I tell you what, Rabs, everything was going fine, but I I couldn't see. My, my you know I have my eyes are are slowly going on me and I, and I was trying to tighten this little set screw and I end up stripping it and I got angry and I'm trying to like, I'm, I take this little wrench and I'm trying to just get it loose so I can still salvage this thing. And I end up just mangling this thing. You know, I'm just like, I'm looking at this. I'm so disappointed. And I put it back in the box. I take it back to the place that I bought. I took it back there. And I honestly, I was just, I was so embarrassed and so mad at myself that I, I just went in and said, you know what? I stripped the screw and then I just messed it up even more. And, you know, I'm just here. I'm going to get another one. But surprisingly enough, they just like took it back and like refunded me. And I got another one and, and I went and, and this time around I had my wife <laughs> set do the set screw and everything's fine now. But man, I was just, I was so frustrated. I was just so mad because I was just, my eyes, as I've gotten older, have, uh, as you know, we're, we can, we're zooming, so you, I, I wear these little readers. Um, it's just, it's so frustrating to me that I'm, I'm able, I'm not able to see. And it's just something that I'm just having a tough time with as I'm, you know, getting older. And I don't know if you, if there are things, you know, that you in particular have that just are more bothered than maybe the next person about, you know, getting older. But eyesight for me is a, is a big one. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's funny because I, I mean, I've worn glasses for years. I'm not sure that my eyesight's necessarily tailing off. Um, but I, I will say that like 
in the last few years when I'm like crossing the street, for example, and the light goes from like green to yellow or something, and I want to like hightail a little bit, or even if I'm starting to cross the street and it's yellow, and I normally in my in my youth would have like, you know, launched into a full sprint and, and run across the street. Now there's no full sprint. I don't have that gear anymore. Yeah, like yeah. my le- my legs just don't do it. I end up I end up just sort of like creakily walking quickly in that sort of old man gait. So. <laughs> So yeah, uh, that's that's the one for me. Is I have no explosion or acceleration at all anymore, oh. at all. And I've got this weird thing where like my left shoulder, I slept on it wrong like three weeks ago, and it's still like you know it comes back every every couple days. You know, I mean these these kind of lingering things. I will say that my experience is that the reason that the home store you returned it to didn't bat an eye is because there are probably 25 guys a day who are our age who return stuff with a strip screw. And they're like, yeah, here's another one. You know, I mean, there's, 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 there's like, there's like weekend warrior handymen like us who are, uh, who are stripping screws every day, man. And I think that, I think they're used to it by now. I was surprised to be quite honest. I was like, cause I was completely honest with it. You know, I'm an idiot. I broke this thing and, but without blinking an eye, that's, you're absolutely right. I bet they're very accustomed to it and they were very nice, but yeah, it, it, it sucks getting old. It does. I tell you what, I tell you what, one other thing that sucks and is getting old is the Cowboys losing. Oh, is that getting uh, so old? We need oh. to, so we need to talk about that. We're also going to spend some time obviously looking forward to a, uh, a return home and hopefully um, uh, an opportunity for the Cowboys to get off the schneid they've been on. Um we will talk we will talk about the state of the team but before we get into that i would love to ask you about a man who's being inducted into the ring of honor yeah. against the detroit lions uh one jimmy johnson of port arthur texas uh for my money and i know this is sacrilegious and i've gone i've gone 12 rounds with people on on Twitter slash X over this in the past, I think pound for pound, year for year, the best co- the best head coach in Cowboys history. Yes, I said it, the best head coach in Cowboys history. Uh, it's long, long overdue. I think that the the ninety two and ninety three Cowboys are the best team the NFL has ever seen because they were the most complete team. No team can be that complete since the advent of free agency. And so I believe that that was a team he bought together and he had them playing at an extremely, extremely high level. So the lots of things to think about as we as we uh, get ready to finally, uh, you know, bring him into the ring of honor where he's so so deserves to be i'd love to just hear from you you know what are some of your favorite jimmy johnson moments is there one that's at the top uh of of your jimmy johnson you know favorite favorite moments list yeah i mean i i think i'm with you with my feelings for jimmy as far as you know as far greatest coach i mean it's hard because obviously landry you know he did so much and he was a great innovator of so many things and basically brought us from nothing into America's team. And I think, I think it's really hard to compare anyone to Tom Landry as to me, I don't know if I would ever have anybody surpass uh, Tom Landry for, for those reasons. But when you look at that window of what Jimmy did, I mean, and to basically take Landry's old aging team and let's just face it, Landry, I mean, you, they went, the Cowboys went 20 years having a, a winning season. And then they had three straight years where, they had losing season, you know, of course, and then they were the worst team in the league. So they, they, you know, they were hurting. 
The, and then for yeah. Jimmy to come the, the, in, uh, honestly, the league passed him by. Yeah, it did. They passed him by. Yeah, it, it, and Jimmy comes in, and he was, I mean, he he was ready. He was ready for for this type of uh, the where the league was there. I mean, coming off national championship, you know, with Miami, but uh, he he did such a great job of recognizing how bad his football team was. It wasn't like something that he was just going to be able to, you know pieced together and slowly, I mean, he recognized it and he went about it in a very aggressive way with all the trades that he made was just, just crazy. Um, and obviously the Herschel Walker one was a huge one that everyone knows about that got, helped, you know, get them a lot of players, but there were so many different moves that they did. I just think he did such a phenomenal job of recognizing talent and not just that. And this is what, to me, what puts him over the top is he was the great motivator. I mean, this guy, was no nonsense like you've never believed, you know, seen. I mean, we all the great coaches that we know and we've seen in the past and how they how they work. Jimmy was, I mean, t- he would. We all know stories. We all know the stories about the you know the asthma, like the kicker, get off the you know go to the asthma field and all you know yeah, yeah. And, and you know leaving Michael Her- Urban behind and then you know all, he just was so no nonsense. And I really think that he knew how to motivate his players. He got the best out of guys and because if you weren't Get put get putting forth the effort. You weren't going to be playing for this football team, and people knew that. There was never no doubt about it. That you wouldn't be finding this penalty problem if Jimmy Johnson was was the coach. But to answer your question, my favorite memory, of course, I, my favorite Cowboys memory is in '92 when they beat San Francisco and in San Francisco to win their first Super Bowl in the '90s. That was such a great memory for me. But my favorite Jimmy memory is the following season when actually we were the better team that season. He knew yes. it. We all we all believed in Jimmy because when Jimmy said we weren't going to, you know, like you might as well count on playing so-and-so in the playoffs, you know, we knew he, we could trust him because he had his finger around this team. And we when he went up there and said, we will win the ball game. And, you know, you can put that in three-inch headlines. I mean, I don't know how that made you. I, I felt so confident. I knew we were going to beat the 49ers. You know that that weekend, and it was just fantastic. And of course, he had the talent, the team to back it up, and they just they annihilated them. And it's just so that to me is my favorite Jimmy moment. Uh, what what about you? Yeah, I think that's a great one. And you know the thing about about him being a motivator, you've just talked about how the fact that like no one would, you know, people were scared of him, and they certainly were. They were sc- they were scared of him because when he would get when he would get mad at them, but for underperforming, you know, he was just so unbearable to be around. But he was also a great motivator in terms of like really boosting guys up. He wasn't just like sort of like red ass who got everybody scared all the time. He would also go to guys and, and say, you can make it. I think you can make it in this league. You can play in this league. And so he could, he could understand the psychology of each guy and find a way to motivate him individually, as well as the team as a whole. Um, I also loved, you know, you were talking about how he was bold and I loved how bold he was. And I loved how he, he didn't bat an eye about the reality of, of the situation of his team, depending on where they were. Right. So, you know, like before the 92 season, they were like, well, it'd be disappointing if you're, if you don't make the playoffs, he goes, Oh no, we'll be in the playoffs. It was like never a doubt. And like you said, you know, we're, we're going to, uh, you can put it in three inch headlines. We're going to win this game. Um, of course he had a couple Heineken's in him at the time, but he believed it. And he, and he communicated that to his, to his team. One of the moments of boldness that really strikes strikes me and always sticks out to me is when the Cowboys had, had, were a good team but not a great team yet. In 1991, they uh, they had had a, a, a sort of 
couple three games in a row where they were playing some good teams and had a bad run of luck. I think they've lost a couple three games in a row and they were like six and five going on the road to RFK against the hated uh, Washington team. Um, and that team was undefeated and ended up, ended up going on and winning, winning the Super Bowl. That team was undefeated and setting records for scoring. Uh, and, you know, the great Joe Gibbs was their coach and was an offensive mastermind. And the Cowboys' defense was undermanned. They went in there and they outplayed the uh, the, the Washington team. And this was the famous game where, where Jimmy Johnson said, you know, if you're going to go off against a big gorilla, you got to hit him with everything you got. And they hit him with everything they had. They, they, I think they did two onside kicks. They went for it on fourth down three or four times. Um, they got a big lead. They uh, limited Mark Rippon and the, and the Washington offense, which had just been tearing people up until the very end of the game when they got a couple of touchdowns. They really only gave up um, seven points for the most part of the game. And that was on the interception return by Martin Mayhew. And, um, and uh, they the just went for it and said, you know, we got nothing to lose. We're just going to go for it. And that was, you know, so indicative of the way that he coached. And the other thing about that game was so amazing was Troy Aikman went down in the middle of that game and Steve Berline just stepped right in and they just kept on going. And he, you know, threw the, threw the sort of game clinching touchdown to Michael Irvin who beat Daryl Green. And it was just like they went on and I think won out the rest of the rest of the regular, regular season, beat the, beat the bears the first round of the playoffs. And then, as as luck would have it here, went up against Detroit and and got stomped by Detroit, and that was the last year that uh, they lost the playoffs for a while. Um, so that's just one of many, many, many great Jimmy Johnson stories. But it just I, I loved the boldness where he was just like, you know what, we're just gonna go for it, man. Let's go for it. They're a better team than we are. Like let's admit they're a better team, and so we're gonna go in there and we're gonna hit them in the mouth, and we're, and we're not gonna stop. And that's what they did, and they won. I that's great. I love that one because I feel like to to me, it, I, I don't know how you were when this was all happening because obviously when Landry getting fired was kind of like a weird moment because we we knew the Cowboys were not in good shape, but also too you know that's Tom Landry and and then you have this oil ty- tycoon by the team that wasn't I'll tell you what wasn't very likable right out of the gate and then brings in this hot headed you know coach and. You know, he, we don't, we weren't sure what we were getting, but I, I think that moment when we realized that Jimmy is going to take this team somewhere was a very great moment for us. And, and I do think it came in that season. You realize that, okay, we got something going here and, and Johnson, you know, he, he was brash and he was, he, he would, he would tell you what he said. If, if this team wasn't good, he'd let you know if they were, if, mm-hmm. if they were good, he would tell you, well, we're making the playoffs. Like you said. So I, I think that's just, to me, it just, cause we hear it all the time from the coaches, you know, about, Oh, we believe in our team and, and the stuff. And, you know, what does it even mean? But like when Jimmy said it, you believed it. And I, I think that to me is something that I just, you know, I, I, I feel really good about, you know, experiencing. Yeah. Absolutely. And for me, the the moment when I knew this team was going to be great was actually the, against that same Washington team the previous Thanksgiving when uh, Washington was you know, still a, a high quality team and um, young Cowboys, Emmett Smith's rookie year, they beat the, uh, the Washington team something like 27-17 at home on Thanksgiving and Emmett had a big touchdown run and it was just like, I remember watching that and going, oh, okay, this team's special. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna make sure I make space in my life to watch every one of their games, and I and I didn't miss a game for a, a well over a decade. You know, it was just like that they were they became a, a much must see TV for me. 
I'll tell you what was not must-see TV for me, my friend, was uh, the Christmas Eve game against the Miami Dolphins. I'm staying in an Airbnb uh, with my family, and um, they had a weird TV situation, which it turned out they didn't have cable TV. I didn't realize that until just before because I was getting things ready. So I actually missed most of the game. I had to rewatch it later. So uh, I'll do my best to offer my thoughts about the game. Um, not really sorry that I missed it, frankly, given the outcome, but I do think we need to kind of chat about it. And, um, you know, as, as we often do, did, what did you learn? How do you feel about the team now after, after that result? Uh, any, anything different for you? Well, I feel a little different. I feel like the concerns I had before are still concerns and the ones that I wasn't uh, overreacting to are, are ones that I'm not worried about. In particular, I'll just, I'm not worried about the defense. I know what, I feel like I know what the defense is, you know, what they are. And, um, I mean, even though there wasn't a dominating performance by any means, cause you know, the, the Dolphins scored six times, even though all of the, but one was a field goal, they were moving the ball. They, the, the Cowboys had trouble getting off the field, but I, I was pleased with it. They they did good enough to me. Um, but on the other side of the ball, and this is the part that does worry me, I'm worried that the Cowboys have issues on offense when things, when plan A isn't working. And to me, I feel like when you're, you're not able to get what you want to do and you got to improv and the you know, protection starts breaking down and Dak knows it and he's, he's always looking the bell. I feel like there's, there was too many um, ineffective things happening on offense that concerns me. So I'm kind of in the same spot as uh, as I was before. I, you know, as as you know, I did not expect to win this game. And it wasn't it wasn't going to be the end of the world that we did. And I wanted them to go out and play well. I thought they did, uh, you know, at certain times, you know. But at the same time, there was parts that still still make me concerned about our chances, you know, in the, in the pit playoffs, which I think it's, it's so pivotal why, why it would just makes all the difference if we can somehow still win the division. And we'll talk more about that later, but I mean, I don't know, Rabs, you, do you feel any different about this team? Um, not really. No. So I, I think, you know, you touched on it. I feel like on offense, they played as if their best offensive lineman wasn't in the game. And guess what? He wasn't in the game when you're not, when you're there and you have a big step down at left tackle, um, I think you have to play a little differently because you want to protect your quarterback and your quarterback played as if he wanted to protect himself. And I think that that was evident. Uh, I was really impressed with some of the, the ways the Cowboys moved the ball. I thought they, they did some nice things. Um, but there were too many times where drives got just sort of curtailed quickly because of offensive line problems. I've said it many times. You're probably tired of me saying it. This team is going to go as far as this offensive line can take it. And when the offensive line isn't playing at its maximum, the offense is really limited. And we talked about this after the, after the Bills game. If the offense isn't playing well, then the defense doesn't play well because this defense is built to play with a lead. And if the offense can't get that lead, then we see that the defense can be exploited. So the defense got exploited, but they're supposed to. Defenses in this league are as good as the quality of the offenses, and in particular, the quarterbacks that they play and the passing games they face off against. In the last few weeks, they played they played good offenses, and they haven't played as well. I do think that the league is starting to see where the Cowboys' soft spots are, 
and specifically in the linebacking core and in their strong safeties. I think the Cowboys have a lack of talent there and um, a, a lack of guys who can really be difference makers and make plays. I think that the last couple of games, you, we've talked about this both on the podcast and, and, you know, t- and in preparing for the podcast that Damone Clark has been an absolute blender the last couple of weeks. He's regressed significantly. I think the league is m- maybe starting to figure out what Marquise Bell does well and what he doesn't do well. And they're asking him to, to do things he doesn't do well as much uh, or rather more uh, often. And, um, you know, when we've talked about the safeties and I think that Malik Hooker is you know, having him back in the lineup was great, but he's really the true difference maker at safety. And the other guys, I think, are just guys. I think they're just big safeties who, you know, make plays every once in a while and, and you know, they, they tackle hard occasionally, but they can be they can be beaten. So there's a lot of soft spots in the middle of the Cowboys defense. L- listen, that that team, I think, has some talent deficiencies. I think that they're really, really well coached and well schemed, and they also have a couple of excellent players who help at key positions, i.e. pass rusher and corner who help mitigate some of the talent deficiencies. But this is not the kind of defense that can just stop a great offense. They don't have enough talent. They just don't. No, I mean, I don't, I can't really argue any of that. I, I do think that, you know, Tua gets the ball so quick and it's it's made it really hard. And that's why to me, I'm very satisfied with, with what I, I do feel like there was a couple opportunities that Miami missed that so we got mm-hmm. we kind of got lucky there but that's why to me I just feel like that's why I just want the the offense needs to be able to perform better and I know you talked about the offensive line and that clearly that was on display there's no there's no way to you know they they've regressed as well. I mean, I think they they sort of peaked a few games ago, and the last few games they've regressed. But they can get plays even still. They can make. I mean, we saw that th- that first drive of the game was just. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever loved Mike McCarthy as much as I have when watching those series of plays and just how players were used with CD mm-hmm. with on the draw running the ball and and Lipke in the passing game, and then this really clever fourth down play with uh, out to Ferguson because. It didn't matter what kind of pressure you're getting because you know they were they were pushing the easy button on that. They got the yards they needed. And everything looked fantastic. But there was other times in the game tour. I'm like, what are they even doing? Where are where are these easy plays and the routes are just like st- stuck together? There are. It's like D- Dak would just he would bail just a split second before the route would develop and then the players wide open and then just like. It's not working. I don't know if this is Dak or, or the plays or what. It's just like it's not working. It's frustrating because we're going to see more of this. And I mean, and if the Cowboys don't have an answer for it, then I, I, I worry that, you know, this is this end up being how they how they go out. Well, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the the last couple games of the season and how they go out or don't go out uh, a little bit later. But I think before that, we probably need to, to sh- shift our focus to. Um, this week's game against the NFC rival, um, and in some ways, a, a team that against whom they're still jockeying for playoff position Absolutely. in the Detroit Lions. Are you trying to tell me that it's time for a little Rebels roundup? Giddy up, baby! Let's do it! Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. 
Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. It's time for Rabble's Roundup. All right, listen, so um, as you know, and you, I mean you, Professor Phantom, and everybody else who's listening, I like to think about the team spine, which goes from the owner through the GM to the head coach to the offensive coordinator to the quarterback. We know a lot of the players here, right? Dan, We know Dan Campbell. Um, you know, he was a former cowboy. We saw his opening press conference in which they were going to, like, eat people's livers and all this crazy stuff. And people laughed at him, but he's, you know, he's brought a lot of toughness. We know all of that. We know a lot about Jared Goff and his story. So I'm not going to go over that sort of previously trodden ground. I really want to focus. I'll talk a little bit about the GM and some of the things he's done because he's he's an interesting story. But the people I want to focus on most because there's such direct contrast in some ways, uh, one of them anyway, to to Cowboys ownership, uh, the Lions owner or the the sort of new owner um, and uh, I want to talk about their offensive coordinator. And, you know, you were just talking about the easy button and, you know, um, what the, what the, how frustrating it was to watch the Cowboys offense. Uh, I do think there's a, there's a breed of offensive coordinators that doesn't include my, Mike McCarthy that includes, you know, Shanahan and um, Mike McDaniel, who we just saw last weekend and the guy, Ben Johnson, who we're going to see this weekend, who are, right on the cutting edge of, of innovation in terms of NFL offensive strategy and scheming and deployment of personnel, et cetera. Okay. So uh, let's, let's start by talking about the owners, a woman named Sheila Firestone Ford Hamp. What do you think of when you think of Firestone? Tires. Yeah. What do you think of when you think of Ford? Trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Ford trucks, Ford, Ford vehicles, right? So this is the woman who is the, the offspring of those two families uh, and those two fortunes, they 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 merged, and uh, there's a whole line of Firestone Fords. So, um, her she's been involved in the management of the Lions since her mother took over the team in 2014. Um, in 2015, this woman Sheila Firestone Ford Hamp 
was very involved in the decision to fire team president Tom Lewin, who was the guy who took over from, from Matt Millen, and GM Martin Mayhew. I talked about him earlier. He was the guy in Washington who returned Troy Aikman's interception early in that hit-the-gorilla-in-the-mouth game that we talked about with Jimmy Johnson. Um, so she's been, she's been around for a while. In 2019, she was involved in the retention of general manager Bob Quinn and head coach Matt Patricia. In the next year, however, she took over from her mother as principal owner and chairwoman of the organization. And honestly, this is when the, the Lions, who have been a moribund franchise, haven't won the division in 30-plus years, etc., finally turned around. She fired Quinn. She fired Matt Patricia in November after a 4-7 four, four and seven start to the 2020 campaign. And then the next offseason, she re- replaced them with out-of-the-box hires that nobody expected in GM Brad Holmes and head coach Dan Campbell. Right. And those guys, with her blessing and with her with her support, began a tear down and rebuild. And so um, the Lions getting themselves up out of the cellar, changing their direction for the first time in a long time, I think all started with her. And it's because she made the difficult decision, unlike a lot of men who own teams, who are billionaires, who are self-made, who think they're never wrong, to say to those around her, including her own family, many of whom were populated by exactly those kind of people. I don't know everything. We don't know everything. We need help. Let's get people in here who care about this franchise, who are smart, who understand the game, and learn from them. And they have. And I think that resulted in guys like Holmes and Campbell coming aboard. Holmes comes to the Lions after spending 18 years with the Rams in a number of positions. He was a scout. He was an area scout. He was a national combine scout. He was a scouting assistant. In 2013, they elevated him to director of college scouting, and he was responsible for overseeing the, key, the team's uh, college scouting operations for eight years. bunch of bunch of talent came in over those over those years. You remember the the Todd Gurleys and the Jared Goffs and all those all those all those like high draft picks that really made their their offense exciting before and 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 when um, Sean McVay first got there. We know a lot about Dan Campbell. I'm not going to go into into him too much, but I do want to sort of say that. They tore it down and rebuilt, a la Jimmy Johnson taking over for the Landry Cowboys, right? They uh, focused the entire time on culture. Um, they bravely moved on from players who did not fit their culture or did not demonstrate enough value to remain on the team. So they traded or released former first-rounders and, and seemingly franchise foundation pieces, Matt Stafford, Jeff Okuda. They, got, they let, they let uh, Kenny Galladay, right, who's a big right. free agent acquisition, go. They got rid of TJ Hawkinson, right? The Matthew Stafford trade is just one example yielded down the road dividends. So they got first rounders in 22 and 23 and Jared Goff. And after sort of trading those picks around, they ended up with wide receiver Jamison Williams, running back Jameer Gibbs, tight end Sam Laporta, safety Ifiatu Melifanwa, who was just named NFC player, uh, defense player of the week last week. And then you get you add in their own picks, Penny's Penny Sewell instead of Justin Fields and Aiden Hutchinson. And then, of course, there's a guy that we actually liked in the 2021 draft, a defensive tackle, Alan McNeil. Then they stole Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round of the 2021 draft. So they've done a really good job of focusing on the kind of guys they want, on building culture, and getting guys who are tough locker room guys. And you can really see a core emerging. So let's look at their let's look at their their sort of one loss. 2021. Campbell comes in. Everyone thinks, well, who is this Dan Campbell guy? He was sort of a laughing stock. They start 0-10 and 1, but then they win three of their final six. 2022, they start one and six, but then they suddenly turn things around. They finish eight and two. This year they started eight and two. They're now sitting at eleven and four, and they just won the division for the first time in three decades. 
The transitional point here, though, one of the real key transitional points is the change in offensive coordinator about halfway through that 21 season, right? They were eight games in the 21, 2021 season. They were still, they had only tied one, but then they changed their offensive coordinator. They moved on from Anthony Lynn and promoted Ben Johnson to a kind of like passing game coordinator, offensive coordinator type of position. He became the de facto OC in 2022. And now this year in 2023, he's um, not only uh, at the helm of one of the most potent offenses in the league, but almost certainly um, at the top of everybody's list for head coaching candidates for next year, even if he's claimed he wants 15 mil per year. So I think one one story that that I really thought was indicative of the kind of coach he is, after the offense installs its run game every week, each of the offensive linemen gets gets handed the run sheet and is asked to circle his five favorite runs. Then they hand that sheet back to Johnson and guess which runs get called on Sunday? The ones that all those dudes love because you know, if we're going to have a running game, let's put in the plays that our offensive linemen love to run, right? And let let's give them Let's enfranchise them with uh, the running game because all, ultimately the running game belongs to the offensive line. I think it's just such a, it's so simple, but it, it's so smart. Um, on the surface, Johnson's offense looks a lot, a lot like Sean McVay's, which we, we've talked about because there's been other McVay disciples that we've talked about in recent weeks, right? Make this play look like that play. Use a strong running game to, to, to create easy passing opportunities. That It's basically, that's it. So let's talk about that strong running game because it's really really interesting it all begins with an incredibly diverse run game that features a league high number of personnel groupings analysts who track the the lions like you know guys who write for the athletic and things like 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 that uh, have noted that they that they run unbelievable amounts of concepts most of them out of multiple groupings i'm just going to go through this really quickly i don't know i'm not going to pause to explain each one but these are all the different kind of formations that the cowboys have to have to prepare for duo inside zone power counter wide zone pin pull sweeps a penny sewell led the league last year with 31 pulls uh a crack toss a sift toss the wind back the zorro which is a kind of outside zone um uh short long tackle traps inside traps crunches jet sweeps draws zone reads multiple reverses i mean they do all this stuff and it all looks like the same thing so we just talked about how damone clark in the last couple of weeks has has been in a blender I mean, it ain't going to get better this week, right? He's going to have to be on his keys, but he can't also get distracted by the eye candy, and there's going to be a lot of it, right? Now, I think one of the things that is that none of this would be possible without the Lions offensive line, which for my money can stake a claim to being the league's best. So that, that we've got offensive tackles, Frank Ragnow and Penny Sewell, a perennial pro bowlers. Jonah Jackson, I think is one of the most underrated guards in the NFL. Taylor Decker has been with the franchise longer and has been a, a really, really great veteran presence. Um, there's another veteran guard. Uh, Graham Glasnow is a very capable starter. Um, According to, to PFF, the, the Lions ranked fifth in the rate of running power, sixth in the rate of running counter, second in the rate of running trap, and second in the number of snaps with an extra offensive lineman. So remember what happened when the Cowboys got bullied against against Buffalo because the Buffalo Buffalo went big. I think we could see that again this week with getting an extra offensive lineman in there. Lots of pulls, lots of eye candy, lots of motion. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a, a tough tough day for the Cowboys defense. If the Cowboys do win, it might look like what uh, we saw against the Seahawks or something like that, right? Yeah. It's going to be that It's going to be that kind of game where the defense can't stop anybody and the offense has to go off and, and save the game 
save the game late. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd like to hear more about how that might happen. Um, perhaps it's time for Phantoms 5? It's time for the Phantom 5. <laughs> Do it slowly. Do it again. It's time for the Phantom 5. All right. Yes. Uh, All right. Give us number one, my friend. All right. I'm going to start, you know what, with the, with the obvious one to me. This one is called Dak on Track. Um, you know, the Cowboys lost two straight. Uh, the offense has looked a little underwhelming as of late. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, Rabs, that, that Dak Prescott was airing it out like nobody's business. Now, he had a stretch where he threw for at least 299 yards and at least three touchdowns in five of the first six games after the bye. I mean, remember that? It was all, I mean, Dak was just incredible. Um, however, over the last three games, he hasn't done either of those things, not even once. So as some have said, you know, he's played himself out of the MVP race. Uh, I, for one, am not one of those people. Uh, the, the Lions, you talk about them being a good team, a good, you know, a solid defense. Uh, this defense is better at stopping the run at, than they are at stopping the pass. So in contrast, they're fourth best against the run, whereas they're bottom 10 against the pass. So Rabs, this is a get right game for Dak and the offense. And don't be surprised if this time next week, we are once again talking about Prescott as an MVP candidate. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, how about the second of Phantoms 5? So while well, that one was positive, this one is a little bit on the other side of that. And you know, you've talked about this already and I'll tell you what, it's just, it's just scary. Uh, this one's called Pick Your Poison. You know, I think last week the Cowboys faced the league's most explosive offense, uh, which featured an assortment of weapons. We all know the big names mm -hmm. like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Raheem Mostert, and De Devon A-Chain. I mean, this week it does not get any easier. The Lions have one of, if not the best running back duos in David Montgomery and the Alabama rookie, Jamar Gibbs. I mean, both those guys yep. have over a 1,000 scrimmage yards this season. They also have one of the league's top receivers in Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, that's a lot of names, but it's just one person. And that person already has over 100 catches and pertinent near 1,300 yards. I mean, they also have the next great thing at tight end with rookie Sam Laporta, who has 74 catches, 776 yards, and nine touchdowns on the season. He's my fantasy tight end, Rabs, and, and there's a good chance he's rostered by several uh, Cowboy fans, because, uh, you know, who, who were heavy in the draft research, because, you know, we all spent some extra time vetting the tight ends, because um, Cowboys, we knew they were interested. Uh, of course, we won't be rooting for Laporta this weekend, unless it's in garbage time, but uh, needless to say, the Lions have weapons in all directions. Uh, this is yes, they do. Gonna be... And I'm quaking in my bootsteps as a result. How about number three? Is Are you, you going to give me some good news now? I... Yeah, I mean, I, there is some good news because I think the Cowboys have a superstar themselves. And this one is can't silence the lamb. And, I mean, I think we could all agree that, uh, you know, what a remarkable talent C.D. Lamb is for this offense. A few weeks ago, we talked about, we were having this conversation about who the, the greatest 88 is. I think with each new game, he just keeps making a stronger and stronger case for himself. Uh, and each year he's been in the league, he's gotten a couple hundred yards better, and that pace is continuing. He's already has 1,424 yards this season with two games to go. He's 179 yards away from Michael Urban's single-season franchise record. Uh, of course, the playmaker did it in 16 games. I would love to see Lamb have a big game and do it in 16 as well. Um, he does have a 191-yard game on his resume this year. So we all remember... 
when Lamb was sulking on the sideline in San Francisco. Remember that? And and then a week later, sure he started this tear of three straight 14 catch, 150 yard games. Well, last week we kind of we we saw him throw his hands up in frust- frustration a couple times, you know, with, with some of the offensive choices that was going on. I wouldn't be surprised if once again they heed his call and he has his biggest game of the season. Remember Megatron's monster receiving game 10 years ago, Raps? Well. It won't be quite like that, but don't be surprised if CD breaks the 200 barrier. This is—is is, is he going to truck Jeff Heath near the goal line? <laughs> I don't know if he's going to truck anyone, but he's slippery. He's a loose. He might spin out of trouble. All right, I like to—I like to hear that. What's the next one? Uh, so the next one is called "Possessions Are Precious." Uh, I think that last week it stung when the Cowboys dropped the ball at the goal line on the opening drive. And while they didn't score a lot, it was frustrating that the defense had a tough time getting off the field, and it shortened the game. I mean, the Cowboys only had eight offensive possessions. So we don't have the ball as much. You can't score as much. The Cowboys have to take advantage of their possessions. They need touchdowns, not field goals, but they also need points. All five of their losses have come where they've lost the turnover battle. They haven't forced a turnover in each of the last two games. They went a three-game stretch last month where the offense didn't commit a single turnover, and they were lighting it up. So De- Detroit is very similar. Their last five games have all been decided by who won the turnover battle, win or lose. They had three turnovers against Green Bay and Chicago recently. They lost both those games. Mm-hmm. Last week they forced four takeaways, They and they they beat, and they, and they won their game against um, Minnesota. Minnesota. So yeah. it goes without saying, uh, but taking, taking care of the ball and creating turnovers – could be the deciding factor in this one. I like that. Uh, and and if we think about Jack Prescott versus Jared Goff, who's more likely to turn the ball over? I think that we have to be, you know, we have to be quietly optimistic that we have the quarterback who's less likely to make the killing turnover. Agree. And what is the final and fifth and final of Phantoms Five? So this one is called It's Gonna Take More Than 24. So you know that 24 is my lucky number, my Twitter handle is Danny Phantom 24 and it originated from Everson Walls. In fact, mm-hmm. there's a reasonable chance that if my next grandchild is a boy, his name might be Everson. So, but you know, keep that on the down low. Uh, but next year is 2024. It's going to be a special year, Rabs. Uh, what you may not know is that the Dallas Cowboys are a perfect nine and zero this season when scoring 24 points. Additionally, they have scored at least 30 points in every single home game this year. They're averaging 39.9 points at home. I mean, that's averaging a 40-burger, Rabs. I mean, that, that's insane to me. So we've talked about this being a get-right game for the Cowboys offense. We've talked about the Lions weapons. It, this one's going to take a lot of points, Rabs. So expect a shootout. We have a think we both do. Give me, who you taking and what is your final score prediction? Uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys. I think they do need to uh, have a get-right game. I think both teams have about the same amount to fight for. You know, I think that, um, you know, if the Cowboys lose another game, first of all, their self-esteem is going to be crushed. And second of all, they have absolutely no, no chance, no outside chance, no inside chance, no nothing of, of winning the, the, the uh, you know, the NFC East. I think uh, the last couple of weeks I've predicted that the Cowboys could win against both Buffalo and Miami, thir- forty to thirty-four. Uh, in neither instance was I close. Um, I saw, so but I'm sticking to my guns. I'm going to take Cowboys forty to thirty-four. I, I, I've thought all three games that they were going to be, you know, barn burner shootouts. In in some ways, the 
offense let me down both times. I think now that they're back at home on the fast track, the offense is not going to let me down. I believe Tyron Smith is going to be back, and so they're probably going to open things up a little bit, and uh, they're not going to be able to stop Detroit. 40-34, to um, and they score late to you know to extend the lead a little bit from maybe a three-pointer. Wow, I, I have a good feeling about this because I'll tell you what, and we have, we have not been – very similar lately with our mm-hmm, score predictions, mm-hmm. but we are super close. So I, my score that I wrote down is 37-34, and I also think Cowboys pull this off late. Um, I mean, it could go either way. I, I I would be surprised if either team blew out the other one. I think we're gonna we're we're gonna it's gonna be a barn burner. It's gonna be a mm-hmm. lot of scoring. Um, it's just a matter of which offense is doing the most of it and who's taking care of the ball. I personally, uh, but I do have the Cowboys winning this one. But Raz, before we leave, I did want to throw one more thing out at you. Oh, a sixth Phantom well, Five? Well, no, it's not it's not part of the Phantom Five, but I just I okay. think we need to talk about okay, so we all know we all should be aware of the playoff situation, you know, even though we lost to the Dolphins and Philly, they won against the Giants. They snuck out a victory against the Giants. It's not the end all be all for the Cowboys. We still need the Eagles to lose one. And the Cowboys can still take care of business and still win the East, which is super important. But it's really important, too, because of in doing so, the Cowboys would need to beat Detroit this week. And in doing so, if they won the East, we're talking about the number two seed. Super important. You know, you can avoid San Francisco until the NFC Championship. You would be not only having a home game uh, in round one, but also in round two. I mean, mm-hmm. and we know the Cowboys are really good at home. So it's it's so important. And I, I feel like, you know, it, you know, it. Well, there's still ways for this to happen, um, but at the same time, if they lose, it's looking bleak. And then yeah, they could also technically be out of it for the division too if they lose and Eagles win. And then mm-hmm. we're looking at yeah, it's over. It's over. And then I don't know. I, to me, I want the, I want the Cowboys to win it, and I want them to be pl- to ha- to hang on to it for as long as they can. But at the same time. Part of me does not want them to have to be in this bloodbath in the finale and then still end up, you know, the number five seed. So there, there's a there's a range of outcomes too to where the Cowboys could possibly just say, hey, you know, we're done and we're just going to rest the the following week. And I don't know how you feel about that and and the Cowboys' chances. Well, I I I feel that the the teams feel a lot differently than fans do i think one of the one things that, that we just don't we don't understand as people who are not professional athletes is how much confidence how supremely confident they are in their ability to go on the road and win right we don't believe that they can they absolutely believe that they can and i think that they believe that their chances of doing so are heightened and increased greatly if everybody's healthy so i think that their priority right now is not winning not that they want to lose, but their priority is not winning. Their priority is getting everybody healthy through the remainder of the season. And that might mean that Tyron Smith sits out another game. That might mean that, you know, somebody else, an older player sits out a game because they what they want is for that guy uh, to be ready and healthy for Tampa Bay, not so that they can battle out the end of the year. So I, I think I think. You know, we saw this happen last year where we kept thinking, like, why aren't the Cowboys trying harder to try to catch to try to catch Philadelphia? Because it's not their priority. If they're, they're going to try to win, and if they win, so be it. If they win the division, so be it. But I think that they honestly believe that they can go on the road 
and win games on the road because they believe in themselves. And even though there's evidence, you know, pi that's piled up to the contrary about about you know their their success on the road or lack thereof, I don't know that they they're 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 not built mentally to believe that. They've always believed that they can that they can win. And so um I don't I I, I think that the Cowboys are probably going to try to win this game more so because losing three in a row would be psychologically devastating than because they want to win the NFC East. But if they lose this game, I could see them folding up and 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 not in playing all the backups against uh, Washington and potentially losing a fourth straight game as they go into the playoffs, but going into playoffs rested and convincing themselves that a rested team that's lost four straight has a better chance than a team that, as you said, has gone through a crucible to get there. Yeah, no, it's, it's very weird because it's kind of, it's difficult to choose from if like, if you know, you want the Cowboys playing good football, that's important. Um, so you'd hate to really go, go out on a losing streak. Uh, but at the same time, you don't. You need Tyron Smith healthy. You need Zach Martin healthy. You need Dak Prescott. You know, you don't want to. Mm -hmm. if, if they lose and the Eagles win, the game's meaningless. There's nothing. Nobody can catch them for the five either. They got the only teams that can catch them in record that's are right. the Rams and Seahawks, and they hold the tiebreaker over both of those. So that's out. Uh, so really, I mean, you almost you almost think like the maybe the best thing is to just punt the game, go out losing four, and then hope that you're a better team come playoff time and I don't know that's that's a possibility but we're hopefully we won't get to that point because the Cowboys will take care of business but that is all we have for our show today if you haven't yet please do subscribe to the blogging the voice podcast network leave us a rating write a review wherever you get your podcast apple spotify itunes or stitcher tell us what you think anything you'd like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience and if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, any matchups you're looking for, or, you know, what's something that, that you used to do better when you were younger, uh, <laughs> you can let us know. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. But don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. We will catch you later. For God's sake, Cowboys, get off the schneid. Support for this episode has come from eBay. You know real when you feel it. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you don't have to wonder. You know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be checked by experts and verified authentic. Maybe it's a designer handbag. Sneakers that pop. Jewelry that shines as bright as you do. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.